Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Ghost Maps was recorded on Audio-Technica mics. Ghost Maps Entry 17 St. James Power Station, Singapore Marcus doesn't shake my hand when he arrives. Not in the usual way, at least. Instead, he clasps my hand between both of his, pulls me close so that we lock eyes as he greets me with an intense, Hey, bro. With a slight beer gut on an otherwise toned physique, the receding hairline and the remainder of that hair tied up into a bun on top of his head, it's easy to not take Marcus seriously. Even at 38, he already looks like a middle-aged cliché. But then I start speaking with him, and I see the real person under all this swagger. We're sitting at the Hawker Centre opposite Vivo City, and he can't help but glance in the direction of St. James Power Station every couple of minutes. He tells me about how it used to always be about clubbing for him. He says it's very easy to get lost. Beer and girls, all very nice, especially when your family... He trails off. But his silence speaks volumes. The drink stall uncle comes over to take our orders. I ask for a copio. Marcus gets a kopi siutai. And of course, he refers to the uncle, a man clearly in his 60s, as bro. I smile to myself. Then as he takes his first sip, I ask him to start from the beginning. It was a Friday night during the Hungry Ghost Month in 2014. Denise had broken up with Marcus and was out partying with her friends. It was their third breakup in four months. So Marcus was absolutely sure that they were really, finally, through this time. Not to be outdone by his now officially ex-girlfriend, Marcus rang up his buddies and within an hour, they were at a club around Clark Key, chatting up a group of women in their 20s. It was 1am when the first call from Denise's phone came in. Marcus missed it though. After all, he was too busy pouring another round for everyone from their sixth beer tower of the night. The next call came in about five minutes later. The moment he saw who was calling him, he rejected it with a slightly tipsy flourish. Girlfriend, one of the girls, drunkenly joked. Marcus responded with something flippant that he thought sounded smooth. 
the girl laughed and beer kept flowing. A minute or so later though, the third call came in. Marcus, sobering up from being bothered, stormed out of the club and answered with a curt, What? The voice on the other end of the line wasn't Denise's. It was one of her friends, a girl that Marcus had met a couple of times named Jeanette. Marcus couldn't make out what she was saying, partly from the noise of the club, but also because Jeanette was speaking in a panicky rush. He calmed her down as best as he could, keeping his own annoyance in check, and managed to get some details out of her. They were at St. James Power Station, and Denise had started to act strange. Marcus assumed at first that this was some half-baked plan to get his attention. She'd act out, her friends would get worried and call him. It certainly wouldn't have been the first time. He rolled his eyes and asked if she was just drunk. That's what Jeanette thought at first too. Until Denise started scratching and clawing at some of the other patrons. Immediately, Marcus knew something was wrong. The worst thing Denise would normally do if she was drunk was to throw a childish tantrum and and pout or cry. She had never been violent. Without even letting his buddies know that he was leaving, Marcus hopped into the nearest cab. By the time he arrived at St. James, he had sobered up completely. Even if he hadn't, the sight that awaited him surely would have been enough to shake off the last of his buzz. Denise was screeching at passers-by in the car park, cursing at them in different dialects. She was barely 45 kilos, but her five other friends, two guys and three women, were clearly struggling to hold her back. Jeanette, shaking and in tears, ran up to Marcus as soon as she saw him. She said that one of the guys, Keith, was willing to drive Denise back home, but they needed his help to keep her under control. Marcus only nodded, then jogged over to Denise. He tried to reason with her and talk her down, but she didn't seem to listen or even recognize him. As she writhed and twisted in a friend's grasp, Marcus, fearing the worst already, held Denise's face in his hands and looked her in the eyes. Marcus tells me that Denise came from a family of Tanki, or spirit mediums. When they were still dating, Denise's father would tell him stories of how a couple of her uncles and cousins had been vessels for deities. Denise, however, didn't believe in any of it, and even brushed it all off as nonsense. Marcus says that before this, he had never personally encountered anything supernatural. But he had dated Denise long enough to know her and to know who she was. Looking to those eyes, he knew Denise wasn't in control anymore. After a lot of struggling 
and scratching, Marcus and Denise's friends got her into Keith's car. They had her under control for most of the drive to Ishun, but just before the turn onto the CTE, Denise managed to break free and kick the back of Keith's seat, causing him to swerve and nearly get into an accident. Still, they eventually made it back to her flat in one piece. When her father opened the door, he looked about ready to yell at his daughter. But the moment he saw the look on Marcus's face, he stopped himself. And then he saw Denise. Without a single word, he gestured them in as he headed for the house phone. Thirty minutes later, Taoist priest arrived. Marcus didn't understand what was going on at the time, but Denise's father would later explain that she had offended not just one, but several roaming spirits somehow. The priest fought with the entities that had possessed her, armed with a powerful charm and even calling help from Heipai Wutang, the deities that escort spirits to the underworld. Finally, after nearly three hours of chants and prayers, the spirits relented and left her at around sunrise. Her body slumped over lifelessly, but for the first time since her harrowing night began, she seemed to finally be at peace. As Marcus carried Denise to bed, the priest asked her father if he could see what was in her purse. There, amongst her belongings, the priest found a simple gold and silver bracelet that clearly made him feel uneasy. He showed it to Denise's friends, her father and Marcus, but no one seemed to recognize it. The priest broke the bracelet open and within it, found a green talisman with Sanskrit texts carved onto it. He frowned at it and said that this might have been what made the spirits so angry. Her father asked if someone had tried to curse her, but the priest just shook his head and said that while that was certainly a possibility, he couldn't know for sure. He said he would take the amulet with him though, and that her father had nothing to worry about anymore. Everyone thanked the priest as he got up to leave. Marcus and Denise's friends headed back soon after. None of them managed to get any rest though. Still shaken by what had happened the night before, they all decided to meet up for dinner that evening. Halfway through their meal, Marcus's phone started vibrating. It was Denise. Hesitantly, Marcus picked up the call. But much to his relief, Denise sounded fine. If a little sleepy. She said that she had no idea what had happened after she had arrived at St. James. But for some reason, she felt like she needed to thank him. 
Marcus said it was no problem at all. Then asked her if she wanted to join them for dinner. Weird, right, bro? Marcus asked me, putting up his macho front again. I nod, then ask him how Denise has been. He says she's been fine. They never got back together again, but they were still friends. He says that she even got married and has a two-year-old son now. He pauses for a second, then adds that ever since that night, she sometimes helps with the family business too. I raise an eyebrow, encouraging him to continue, but he just gives me the slightest hint of a knowing smile. So instead, I ask him whether he's been clubbing since. His voice grows quieter and says that he hasn't. No more gulls of beer for him. Seeing how estranged from a family Denise was and how that might have played a part in what happened to her made him take stock of his own relationship with his family. He smiles at me, then adds with a laugh, but I still gotta make time to hang out my bros, bro. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.